In the readings for this week, one of the interwoven threads is the feast of God's presence in the Messiah. In Isaiah 61 and 62, the latter part of the book, the prophet envisions a time of return from exile and the fulfillment of ancient promises about the Spirit's work among the people and the advent of the Messiah and his work of healing and redemption. In Psalm 36, the psalmist tells of the enduring faithfulness of the Lord, the foolishness of embracing wickedness, and the blessing of trusting in God's promises. Isaiah writes, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake I will not remain quiet, till her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your vindication, and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be like a crown of splendor, in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or name your land desolate, but you will be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah, for the Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married. As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Expanding on this type of imagery of restoration, the psalmist writes, Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Continue your love to those who know you, your righteousness to the upright in heart. These texts are part of a network of Old Testament passages that give us a vision of restored Israel alongside of an increasingly robust portrayal of the Messiah and his work. When Messiah comes, the people of God will see the manner in which the Lord will keep and fulfill his lofty promises. One of the striking metaphors that shows up in these contexts is a feast. When Messiah comes and God is present among the people, it will be like a grand banquet that is ordered, that is planned, that nourishes, that involves the community and fires all the senses. There will be food, fellowship, joy, and purpose. This image resonates with the notion that God will not only redeem, but nourish and satisfy those who trust in him. With these images in mind, we come to the wedding feast that Jesus attends at the beginning of his ministry recounted in the Gospel of John, chapter 2. Significantly, at a wedding banquet, Jesus enacts a miracle that is directly related to the feast and also serves as the first of a series of symbolic signs that will testify to Jesus' messianic identity in John's narrative. John recounts, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, 
Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washings, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw out some and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water, they knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you save the best until now. What Jesus did here in Canaan and Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. In the first chapter of John's narrative, John the Baptist points out Jesus and calls him the Lamb of God. Andrew tells his brother Simon Peter, We have found the Messiah. Philip tells Nathaniel, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote. Nathaniel exclaims, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus begins to be identified as Messiah there in chapter 1. He begins to act as Messiah in chapter 2. Turning water into new wine at this marriage celebration turns out to be a messianic miracle, a sign that points to the presence of the inbreaking of the new covenant. The disciples know his name, and here they begin to see his glory. Mary's presence with Jesus at this wedding feast parallels her presence at the foot of the cross. She was there at the beginning of Jesus' life as a child, she's present at his first miraculous sign, and she watches as his life ends. In both scenes in John's narrative, Jesus addresses her as woman and notes that his hour had not yet come. At the end of his ministry, as his hour arrives on the cross, Jesus again addresses his mother and entrusts her to one of his closest disciples. The mother he loves and the disciple he loves witness his final sign, the death and resurrection that accomplishes his messianic mission and secures their redemption. So here at the beginning of his ministry, the Lamb of God makes new wine at the marriage feast. John will also one day record a vision of the marriage supper of the Lamb after Jesus makes all things new. By faith in the power of that same spirit that gave John this vision, we can persevere to the end and join this feast ourselves and experience the blessing of Messiah's presence. Praise the Lord for his grace.